our famine. It was like this big thing that uh, World Vision was encouraging, and, and people still do it. But youth groups back in the day would do the 30-hour famine. So you would raise money for someplace overseas usually, and the way you would do that was you would go on a 30-hour famine, no food for 30 hours, and you would tell all your friends and family, listen, I'm going to go without food for 30 hours. Support me and support people that don't get to eat, right? And so you'd raise all this money and send it, and it was a big thing that youth groups did. Well, in my youth group, uh, we did that, and I remember, like, some of my friends were kind of cheating, and they would sneak and, like, take food or whatever, and that was, like, kind of, and I was like, no, I got to, like, I really want to just make this thing real. Like, I don't want to cheat. I want to actually go through the 30-hour famine. Like, I want to experience what it's like. And so uh, we ended, I was kind of, it was a dumb idea, but the way that my youth group ended the 30-hour fast was we went to this place called Crystal Palace, which was like an amusement park. And so there's like roller coasters and arcades and, and food, right? So I'm like coming to the tail end of this 30-hour famine. And I remember walking through Crystal Palace and there was like, you know, the roller coasters and the arcades. And this young guy walked by me with like chili cheese nachos. And I'm like supposed to be more spiritual because I'm fasting. And all I wanted to do was punch him. I was like, this can't be a good result of fasting, right? Like I'm seeing this guy with chili cheese nachos and I just wanted to like knock him out and grab the nachos and like go for it. I'm like, this is, this is not the result that fasting is supposed to have, right? So that was my first experience with fasting. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the, re- like, the way Jesus talks about it because it's kind of a, a wake-up call uh, and I, I believe a real challenge. But I want to put a definition up on the screen just so that you know what we're talking about as we're going to talk about fasting and look at it from Jesus' perspective. And so uh, this is a, a definition that will help us understand it a little better. A fast is the self-denial of normal necessities in order to intentionally attend to God in prayer. Bringing attachments and cravings to the surface opens a place for prayer. This physical awareness of emptiness is the reminder to turn to Jesus, who alone can satisfy. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. And you'll notice in this section of Scripture, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, so Jesus' most famous sermon, all compiled into to one section of Scripture. And Jesus is talking about three things in this passage of Scripture. He's talking about giving, praying, and fasting, okay? So we're going to focus in on fasting. But in this section from the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about giving, praying, and fasting. And what I want you to notice as we read this is Jesus uses similar language when he talks about giving, praying, and fasting. There's a couple of things that Jesus repeats every time he talks about a new topic. So all three topics, he uses some similar language. And it's really important when we want to try to understand fasting. So I'm going to pray uh, before I read this. I'm just going to ask that the Lord will speak to us. Because again, this, in this series that we're in, Spiritual Formation, the whole point of it is for us to learn about some of these spiritual disciplines, and, and not just to learn about it so that we have knowledge about what fasting is or what meditation is or what prayer is, but that we would actually put it into practice. And so today would be, it would be a failure if we walk away from today and we're like, yeah, I know a little bit more about fasting, but we do nothing with it. The, the whole reason we learn about these spiritual disciplines is so that we can actually put them into practice in faith that God is going to respond in some way, that we're going to meet with Him in some way, that it's going to have some sort of impact on our lives. And so, uh, and Jesus' words are always like that. He, he didn't teach so that people just gained a bunch of knowledge. He taught 
so that people's lives could be transformed and changed. That's the reason, I mean, Transformation Church, the reason we went with that name is because Jesus transforms our lives. But in order for that to happen, we, we first have to trust Him. We have to trust what He did. We can't earn our place with Him. He's accomplished it all. But then we actually have to take His Word seriously and do what He says. And it might mean becoming a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. It might mean saying no to some of our own desires to do the things Jesus wants us to do. So transformation happens. We first trust God. He's done all the work to save us. But if we're actually going to become like Him, if our lives are going to change, things need to change. Some of the decisions we make, some of the ways we spend our time needs to change. And, and transformation happens as we respond to God, and then He changes our heart. And that's the heart of this uh, whole series of, of spiritual transformation. So let's, uh, let's pray, and then I'll read this uh, passage. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Jesus, thank You for what You've revealed to us in Your Word. And this teaching today... Jesus is, is at the very center of this Sermon on the Mount, this, this extended sermon that you gave. It's at the heart of what you were communicating. And I just pray that today we would hear your voice. Lord, that we wouldn't hear uh, condemnation or shame or, or any of those things, that, that we would hear an invitation into a different kind of life, that we'd hear an invitation into a life that is a transformed life, that we're in process of transformation. And so may we hear you today. We invite your Holy Spirit to speak to us as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So notice the language talking about giving, prayer, and fasting. Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 1. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Notice the word reward. When you give to somebody in need... Don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to somebody in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Notice the repetition of that word. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your Father, who knows what you do in private. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So notice first, Jesus, in this section of Scripture, He talks about, When you give, so 
I, I highlighted the fact that the word reward is repeated in all three of these instances, okay? But the other word that's repeated, I don't know if you picked up on it, is when Jesus is talking about giving, praying, fasting, he says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And so he spoke, he spoke to people about fasting as if everybody was doing it. He wasn't saying, like, if you fast, here's some of the instructions on it. Like, when he was talking about fasting, he was talking to people who believed God, people who had said, who had claimed that they were following God, and he says to them, when you fast, do it this way. I did, uh, a couple months ago, I did a a small survey about fasting because I was just curious how many people practice fasting. And it was what I expected. Most of us don't practice fasting on a regular basis. It's not something that's a part of our, our lives in a normal way. But then on the other side of it, okay, so for most of us, if we admitted it, probably fasting is not a regular part of our life, okay? But on the other side, maybe you've met people that, for them, fasting has become this extreme thing where it's almost like it's everything, okay? They fast all the time. It's kind of all they think about, all they talk about. And maybe you feel guilty or you feel less than when you're around someone like that. John Wesley, uh, wisely, he points out, and this will be on the screen, he says, some have exalted religious fasting beyond all Scripture and reason, and others have utterly disregarded it. Okay? So there's two extremes when it comes to fasting. There's the like, yeah, I'm not going to even think about it or, you know, do it or, you know, participate in it in any way. And then there's people that's like, fasting is just everything, right? It's, it's everything about their spiritual life, and you kind of get into it in an obsessive kind of a way. And those are two extremes. But what Jesus is talking about, he's talking to a group of people that were, they claim to follow God, and he, would, he said to them, when you fast, as if if you're, if you're a follower of God, if you're living in surrender to him, that's going to be a part of your walk, your journey. That's a really convicting thought. Uh, I want to read one more time. Uh, this, and this, I'll probably read this every, every week in this series of spiritual formation, but Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it's our overarching theme for our series where Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, okay? So the, the reason this is the theme is because we're talking about the disciplines, right? So we, we began with meditation. Last week, we talked about prayer. Uh, this week, we're talking about fasting. We're going to get into confession and celebration and simplicity, solitude, Okay? And, and these disciplines, they're actually practical ways that we can practice our faith and our walk with Jesus. Because we so often hear in church how important it is to, to surrender our lives to Jesus, to follow Him. And sometimes there's this question of like, well, what, is it, what does it actually look like to, to do the things Jesus wants me to do? And these disciplines, the 12 of them that we're, we're looking at, are actually practical things that we can do and that we do them to trust God wholeheartedly and as we do them, I believe we begin to experience what Paul was talking about in Galatians chapter 2, where we, we start to, to practice the things Jesus had to practice, and, and at some point we come to this place in our life where we go, it's not me anymore, it's Jesus. So you think about it specifically in relation to fasting. You know, our, our desire for food isn't a bad thing. Like, being hungry is not a bad thing. Eating food isn't a bad thing. God designed it, Right? But a lot of times, we are excessive in the way that we treat food. It's this craving, it's this hunger that we, we, we go overboard with it, and it becomes a negative thing. And you think about your appetite in other areas. 
There, there's appetites that we have for, think, for pleasure that it, it's not necessarily bad to desire pleasure, to desire good things, but it's the excess of it that leads to something really bad. And fasting is this, is this practice that Jesus was talking to his followers about. He's saying, when you fast, because when we put the, these disciplines into practice, specifically talking about fasting, it's like we encounter a different way of living and we realize like our hunger, the desires that we have uh, in and of ourselves, like it's for something deeper. And we start to become aware that like sometimes our appetites, when we just satisfy them with whatever we want to satisfy them with, can lead to excess that leads to negative things, Right? And, that's what, and so when we, when we look at Paul's testimony in Galatians chapter 2, it's no longer I who lives. It's because Paul went through this transformation where he started to, to walk with Jesus and practice the things that Jesus wanted him to practice because he was led by the Spirit of God. And he got to this point in his life where he said, it's not me who lives anymore. Jesus lives in me. And that's what I believe is the desire of any follower uh, of Jesus. And so my personal uh, journey with fasting I told you the, at the opening uh, story about a time when I fasted for the 30-hour famine. It was really challenging. Well, as I got more serious about following Jesus in my life, uh, I, I was convicted by Jesus' words. Like, you read it along with me. He says, when you fast. And, and I started realizing, like, Jesus, he just talks as if we're all going to fast. And so when I get into ministry in my early 20s, uh, I was leading a, a team, and it was an evangelistic team, and we had several leaders that were involved in planning our outreaches and evangelistic outreaches. And we made a decision that once every two months, we would fast for five days, okay? Uh, it was like, and, and the reason I'm telling you this is because I just want to be vulnerable um, because I want you to be encouraged and to take some steps forward, okay? And um, so I just want to be real and honest with my journey with fasting. Uh, but we would do once every two months for five days. And, and it was a real struggle for me. I forget how long we did it. It was a year, year and a half, maybe a couple of years that we did this for. And, and I just didn't feel like I got anything out of it. Like I would do the five-day fast, but it was kind of dumb because I would, so we would, we would do, uh, I think we'd start on Sunday, so it would end on a Friday. And on Friday, I would literally wait, no, no word of a lie, I would wait till midnight and I would just cram down, like, all the raisin bran and bagels and, like, like, everything that I could think of to, like, to eat, right? And it was, like, taking away kind of from what, what I had just experienced and done. And it was this real struggle for me. And I did that for a season. And then I got away from fasting for a while. And, and I just would, like, constantly I was convicted because I would come back to Jesus' words and he would say, when you fast. And I was like, man, what, Jesus, why, why couldn't you have said, like, you know, if you want to fast here's the instructions. You know, or some of you will fast and, and here's how you should do it. Like the fact that he would say, like, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, I was like, man, this is something he's inviting all of us into. And if we're a follower of his, it's, it's going to be a part of our, our lives. And so uh, it was a, it's been a tough journey. And recently, this past fall, um, I was doing some study on fasting again, and the Lord has just convicted me to participate in fasting. And I'm going to close with that, but um, it's become more a regular part of my life and my walk with Jesus uh, even recently. And, and we'll, we'll close with some, some tips on, on how to jump into that. But I want to look today at, there's, there's, I don't usually do this, but it just worked out really well. We're going to look at the three R's of fasting, okay? And uh, so th- this just makes it memorable, okay? So maybe you'll remember these words and maybe it'll have some sort of impact on you. I, I can't 
I wish every sermon worked out where I had like three R's or rhyming words or something like that, but just today, for whatever reason, it worked out, okay? Um, We're going to look at the reward, the realization, and resistance. And so uh, the reward of fasting, I highlighted, as we read through the Scripture, I highlighted Jesus repeats the word reward over and over and over again in that section of Scripture that we read. And I want to ask you this, this question. I want you to think about it. Is there a, a reward for fasting? So when we fast, should we expect a reward? Is, is there some kind of a reward for it? It's a really interesting question because the, in my, my normal kind of thinking, I'm like, well, we don't fast for a reward. We fast out of obedience and we fast because we trust God. But Jesus here, when he's talking about the hypocrites and the Pharisees, he says, you know, when they fast, they flaunt it publicly. They tell everybody, they look hungry so that everybody looks at them and says, man, you're so spiritual. And they flex all the time like, oh, I'm fasting, so I have to abstain or whatever, right? So, so and he's saying they have their reward. And what Jesus points out when he's talking about the reward of the hypocrites who fast so that people will know, he says their reward is the recognition of people. And so, People that are like professional Christians or, or they want to be seen by others as being spiritually elite, the reward is when other people recognize that you're doing something spiritual and you're somehow seen as more spiritual or above others. And Jesus acknowledges that. He says when they fast, that's the reward, is they get the recognition from people. They look spiritual, they look holy, they look like they're above. But, but then, I don't know if you picked it up when we read it, but Jesus actually acknowledges that there's a reward for those who fast properly. You know, that when we, when we fast, when we put this into, into practice in our lives, that Jesus acknowledges that there's actually a reward for it. And you know what I believe the reward for fasting is? If you're, if you're fasting and you're like, okay, I'm not going to, I don't care if people know, I'm not doing it because I want to look spiritual, I'm not even doing it to, to, my, so, to impress myself. Like, I'm just going to practice this in obedience to God. The reward is recognition like God's recognition of what you're doing in order to be with Him. And I also believe, and you can, we're not going to go deep into all the different kinds of fasts that happen in Scripture, uh, but some of the things that happen during fasting is that God will give you clarity about a really difficult decision. So you, you decide to give something up to spend time with Him, and, and God will give you clarity about a decision. Or there's a reward of the confidence of the presence of God. There's a reward for answered prayer, a reward of answered prayer. I mean, just think about, for those of you that are in a relationship, and and maybe it's a romantic relationship, but maybe it's a family relationship. So if you're not in a romantic relationship, you're not excluded from this. But just think about how much it meant to a loved one when you gave up something you really wanted to be with that loved one, right? When Dave decides not to go on a hike, to spend time with Shay, that means a lot, okay? If you follow Dave on social media, like, he, he lives to go out and hike, but when he's like, nah, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to go and be with you, like, that means a lot, right? So you think about the relationships that you're in, okay, the people that you love, when you've given up something that you, you desire, that you want, in order to spend time with your loved one, it means a lot. And we talk about it all the time in the faith. As followers of Jesus, like, this isn't just a feeling, like, our faith in Him is a relationship. And it functions similar to a relationship with somebody that you love deeply. 
And fasting is a way of like, it's like denying something that you desire so that you can spend time with God. And there is, and Jesus acknowledges there's this reward. And I want to be really clear with this. Like, you don't earn your salvation. I'm going to repeat that throughout this whole series. Like, you're not earning your place with God. But when you give up something, there is a recognition that God's like, okay, he or she, like, they're taking this really seriously. They want an answer. They want clarity. They, they, they want this prayer um, to have a response. And there's this reward that comes with it. But it's this willingness on our part to say, God, I'm going to give up something I desire just so that I can focus more on you. And there's this reward. Jesus talks about a reward, a realization, okay? So this one this one's, has really hit me. Uh, do you know that you and I, you would agree with this, we have a longing for something greater than food. Like, I, I don't know about you, the other day, uh, Vicky and I decided that we were going to go out to eat for lunch because we're in this stage of life for the first time in a long time where our two little boys, they go to school. And so, like, we have this whole day where, where there's no toddlers around. Like, it's crazy. I don't know if you, like, for, okay, so for some of you, that's normal, okay? Like, for us, it's been like, uh, like 18 years of, of having, like, you know, toddlers because we've spread our kids out from, like, the ages. And so, we're in this season of life where we're like, we could go for lunch, like, we don't have to ask anybody for permission. We don't got to call somebody to come. It's like, we could just go for lunch, right? So the other day, we had decided, we're like, we're going to go for lunch. And, and then I was playing this game with Lucy, and, and uh, on the game, there was all these ads for food, and everything that I saw just made me excited. There was, like, burgers, and there was even salads, and there was, like, all these, like, everything I saw that popped up on the screen, I was like, oh, I can't wait till tomorrow when I take Vicky for lunch. Like, we get to choose one of these amazing options, right? And there's this desire, and, and we laugh because it's, it's real for us. Like, you've all experienced that, like, longing for food, right? But then once, you're, once that hunger pain is satisfied, the longing, it starts up again, right? Like, it, are you ever fully satisfied after you've had a meal? Or the next day, are you like, oh, I can't wait to go get more baked goods or, like, that steak or that burger or, like, whatever? Like, it's just, it's just nonstop. It just continues. It's on and on and on. So we satisfy this hunger, but then... We're not actually satisfied. We're just momentarily satisfied until we're hangry again, right? Like the hanger comes back again, right? And, and so this realization, like I believe God gave you and I hunger to point us to the reality and the fact that we have a deeper longing for the one who satisfies eternally, right? So it's, and it's not just food, but I'm, we're just talking about food because we're talking about fasting. But that hunger actually points us to this, to this God that satisfies a longing inside of us, and when He satisfies, He satisfies completely and totally and eternally. Listen to Jesus' words. Uh, his disciples were, were confused when they went into the, this town to get food, and they came back, and Jesus wasn't eating. And, and just listen to the, the way that He responds to them. In, in John chapter 4, verses 32 to 34, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. You know, they, they, they noticed Jesus wasn't eating, and they were eating, and then they were like, you should eat, because it would make them feel better, right? But Jesus replied, and listen to this incredibly profound response. He says, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Like, you and I know a little bit. You've read this, you know, story probably before, and so we kind of know where he's headed. But you've got to think of the, the disciples that were with Jesus, they didn't know what he was getting at. And I wonder sometimes if Jesus, like, the look on his face when he would say things like that, because they would obviously respond, and he's like, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And then the, the, the text tells us that they're all like, 
confused. Like, what, what's he talking about? He has a kind of food that we know nothing about, right? I wonder if Jesus just enjoyed watching, you know, some of the perplexity and the confusion on their faces. Like, what's he, what's he going on about, right? And, and listen to their response. Did somebody bring him food while we were gone? Like, is there a McDonald's around the corner that we don't know about? Like, what, like did somebody, like, what's he talking about? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. And then in John, and this isn't on the screen, but in John, or in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is being tempted by the devil, Jesus, one of his responses to the devil, he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus taught that there's this, there's this sustenance that you and I experience that comes from doing the will of God. And some of you in the room have experienced this. There's been times where, where you have felt the Holy Spirit of God do something through you, and the satisfaction that came from that was greater than any meal you'd ever experienced. I know some of you have experienced that. Like, there's times where it's like God clearly is calling you to do something, and maybe you get to be involved in somebody's life in some really significant way. You get to respond to somebody, somebody's need in a really significant way. Maybe there's some of you in this room, you've led somebody to Jesus. You've sat with somebody that was just on the, the verge of, you know, brokenness, or, the, or they've just had this realization of who God is, and you had the opportunity to lead that person to Jesus. And the, the satisfaction that comes from that is greater than the satisfaction any meal could ever give. And that's what Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's like, you know, you, you get, like, hunger's not bad, food's not bad. He wasn't saying that, but he's like, you get so caught up in just the here and the now. You, you, you know, you're, you're hungry now, you're going to be hungry again in a few hours. It's going to happen again in a few hours. It's going to happen again in a few hours. And Jesus is trying to draw their attention. He's saying, you know, I have this food to eat that you know nothing about. And the food he's talking about was to do the will of God. Like, actually doing God's will is incredibly sustaining and nourishing. We're, we're, again, we're not going to go into it today, but if you go read Isaiah chapter 58, it's this powerful passage of Scripture where, where God reveals the kind of fasting He wants. And you know what He was angry at? In Isaiah 58, God is talking to the Israelites, and He's saying, oh, sure, you guys fast. You know, you give up your meal. You go without food. You think it's spiritual. He says, but you're not helping the widows. You're not helping the poor and the oppressed. And so God rebukes them for it. He says, I want nothing to do with your fast. If you're fasting because you think it makes you spiritual, but you're not doing my will, then don't bother at all. God actually gets quite angry in Isaiah chapter 58 because he's saying to them, here's the kind of fast I want. I want you to, to, to loose the bonds of slavery. For people that are caught up and bound up and their lives are in shambles, I want you to go and act on their behalf. That's the kind of fast that I want. And Jesus is, he doesn't come right out and say it, but he's alluding to that in his, in his comments about fasting. He's saying to his disciples, like, the food that I have is to do the will of God. When I do the will of God, it sustains me in a way that is more uh, real and profound even than eating a meal. So that's, that's the, the realization. So there's reward, the realization, and then finally resistance. And this one, I, I believe, if you've not experienced fasting, before, um, this might be the first thing you experience if you participate in this incredibly um, powerful discipline. There's, there's a connection between fasting and an increased ability to resist and overcome evil. I just want to ask you the, this question, and again, you don't have to, nobody raise your hands for this, but how many of us in this room have a sinful habit in our life? Maybe it's a struggle with pornography, 
or gambling or swearing and abusive language. Maybe it's uncontrolled anger and rage. Maybe it's an addiction to a substance. Maybe, maybe there's a sexual addiction or whatever it is that, that's in our life that it's something that we just can't seem to overcome. And the Scriptures tell us that through Jesus, we can overcome sin and addiction and the things that, that hold us back, that we can actually repent and turn from those things. Now, Jesus took care of our sin. When He went and died on the cross for us, He took care of our sin. Us believing in Him is what makes us right before God. But as followers of Jesus, He actually invites us to take steps forward into freedom. We don't actually, whatever that, whatever came to mind when you think about a sinful habit, a sinful behavior, I just want to say to you, not on my authority, but on God's authority, you can walk in freedom from sin. That those sinful habits do not have to control your life until you meet Jesus. You can actually walk in, you can repent, you can turn from those things, and you can experience freedom. Jesus in the, in the letters that, that Jesus wrote to the churches in the book of Revelation, if you read the first few chapters, in every single instance, all seven of them, he says, to he who overcomes. Like, it is actually possible in this life, in the here and now, to overcome sin. It is possible. And I, and I really believe that there's a connection between fasting and the overcoming of sin. In Psalm 35, verse 13, the psalmist says, I afflicted myself with fasting. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, Paul's not specifically talking about fasting, but uh, it's along those lines. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Do you catch what Paul's saying here? Like, a lot of times, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, we get caught up with the initial experience of salvation. So we, we know that Jesus did everything in order, like, to, to make us right with God, Jesus accomplished it all. And so we accept Jesus, we pray to have Him come into our life, and then we feel like, okay, it's done. But if you study the Scriptures, you study the words of Jesus, the words of Paul, the New Testament writers, there's actually steps for us to take. If, if you and I are going to walk in freedom and walk away from sin, like, there are things you and I need to step into by faith and, and trust God for. And as we do that, He will actually help us to walk in freedom. You know, for, and, and probably many of you in this room have experienced that. Maybe there's, there was some sinful habit in your life. There was something in your life that held you back, and you turned from it, and God gave you the ability to walk away from it. But there was a decision and a choice you had to make in order to walk towards God to experience that freedom. And, and I want to uh, suggest to us that fasting can be a part of that. Richard Foster uh, he's, he's the author of the book that goes along with this series that some of us are reading. He says, in many ways, the stomach is like a spoiled child, and a spoiled child does not need indulgence, but needs discipline. And so, he's talking about our, our stomachs and how hard it is to, to make the decision to fast, and, and, and our, if, if you've ever done it, you get these hunger pains, and it's easy to just kind of give into it. But if you've overcome, if you've become somebody who's, who's able to continue on in fasting, you treat your stomach like a spoiled child where you're like, no, I'm not going to give in right now because it's not going to be best for you in the long run. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resist giving in. And you know that when you do that, I just want, whatever came to your mind when, when I talked about sin in, in our lives, 
when, you, when you're able to participate in a discipline like fasting, what you're doing is you're actually training your body to, that, that you're the one in charge, not your, your desires. So, so for a lot of us, when we desire something, when we want it, we just give into it. Okay, so food, the reason that fasting can be so powerful is food's not sinful in and of itself. Eating is not sinful in and of itself. Most of Jesus' ministry happened while he was eating with people. Okay, so you, you got you to gotta eat, right? But he also went through long periods of time where he, he did not eat. And, and what it does, when you participate in fasting, you're training yourself to say no to impulses and desires. And if you can say no to impulses and desires that aren't even bad, like food, okay, for a season so you can spend time with God, how much more when you can't get over that pornography addiction, right? Or, or how much more when, when you've got this, this habit in your life? Maybe for some of you, you're, you've been wanting to give up smoking for years, and it's been a real challenge and a real battle, okay? Or maybe for, for some of you, it's something, maybe it's this like uncontrolled anger and rage that comes out of you. And I'm not pointing these things out to highlight anybody's struggle. We all have struggles. You know, we, we all have things that to, to overcome. But when we participate, when we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust what you say. I'm going to start to do these things. And you start to resist the temptation to eat. Then the next time you're faced with something that you know is sinful and wrong, you've already developed this ability to say no to the fleshly impulses and desires in your body, and you'll find yourself walking in victory. That's, it's true. That's why Jesus' words, like I, I believe Jesus a lot of times, you know, for those of us that struggle over and over and over again with a sinful habit or, or something in our lives that we can't seem to overcome, and we're like, oh God, why won't you take it? I believe Jesus is saying to us, he's like, I've shown you like how in my word. You know, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' most famous words. It's all compiled into one. And it's all, you, you read it, it's like all about us taking steps and doing actions that bring us closer to God. It's not us earning our salvation. God took care of that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. But if we're going to walk in victory, if we're going to become more like Jesus, if we're going to experience His His presence, we have to take this relationship seriously, just like you would with any relationship in your life. You wouldn't you wouldn't uh, avoid a relationship in your life that you valued and you wanted to grow close with somebody. You would spend time with that person. And in the same way, that's what these disciplines are. Fasting is, is, is a way of us saying, okay, hey God, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up a meal this week just to spend more time with you and listen to you. And then you go through this, like, maybe you get a little bit shaky or you like, oh, I just wish I could, I could eat. And you're like, oh, I'm going to overcome it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no to this desire right now so I can spend time with God, right? And as you begin to do that on a regular basis, you, you become more aware of even some of the sins you struggle with. And when those sins come up as struggles and temptations, you've built up this ability to start to say no. That's what Jesus is laying out for us. And, and you know that his desire for us, his followers, is to be people that start looking a lot like him. His desire for us, we've, we've said this all the way through this series. In, in Galatians chapter 2, Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My desire as the, as the pastor here is that all of us would get to that point in our lives where we would be able to say along with Paul, it's not me anymore, it's Jesus. Where we start to look back and we go, you know, a few years ago, this was a huge struggle in my life, but by the grace of God, as I've taken His Word seriously and I started to meditate and I started to pray and I started to fast and I've con- I confess and I practice simplicity, like, I've done these things and this change is happening and, and I used to do all this, but now, like, God has actually changed my desires and He's built up this resistance and I'm, I'm actually doing the things that God wants. That can be our testimony. That's what Paul's saying in Galatians chapter 2. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. God empowers us by His Spirit to live in a way that honors Him. So why fast? Here's the recap. 
This will be uh, last thing on the screen, and then I'll give a couple tips. Uh, fast for the reward of the recognition of God, intimacy with Him, the gift of His presence. Fast so that you will realize you have a deeper longing for the things of God than you do for food or pleasure, and that doing God's will is a type of food. And fast so as to practice resisting your bodily desires so that when you are tempted with sin, you have practiced saying no to your impulses so that you can say yes to God. So there's all kinds of uh, scriptural examples of, of fasts, and this, is, this uh, is meant to be an introduction to this discipline. And, and as I've said, as we've, we're walking through this series, uh, my hope is that we'll pick up even some of these disciplines. We're, we're looking at 12 disciplines through this series. You may not pick up and start running with all of them in this series, but maybe with one of them. You know, and then after you, you gain some familiarity and success with one, you pick up another one in, in the months to come. And so, if the Lord's speaking to you about fasting, I say all that to say, uh, do a deeper dive uh, and, and ask the Lord to lead you as you take steps forward in this, this spiritual discipline. Uh, I do want to say that, that uh, there's, uh, I wrote it down here, yes, I have a, a list. For those of you that are here that have a sickness, or you're traveling, or you're pregnant, or you're nursing, or you're diabetic, or you have gout, or liver disease, or kidney disease, or ulcers, or hypoglycemia, like fasting might not be a good idea, okay? So please don't go away today. If you've got one of those ailments, and you're like, yeah, my pastor told me to fast, and you end up in the emergency room, like, I'll remind you, this is recorded, I said this, okay? This, we're not saying, like, you all give up food or to be unwise with it, okay? And that's not what the scriptures teach either, okay? And so I just want to put that out there. Uh, but for some of us, uh, I think the Lord may be challenging us to take a step in this direction. So I'm going to put this last slide up on the screen. And I just want to encourage you to take a step, if the Lord is, is, is prompting your heart uh, in this direction, to take a step and maybe do a meal a week. So once a week, you skip a meal. And while you're skipping that meal, you're just spending time in prayer. Last week, we talked a lot about prayer. And we talk about being intentional in prayer and praying for people by name and, and, and how to pray and all those things. Maybe during that hour, you just do that. You're like, okay, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. We talked about meditation the week before. So you, you meditate and you pray. It's all these things come together, okay? And so you, you do that. Maybe, maybe it's once a week. That's, that's fine. And, and if you're one of those people that you can't go without food for whatever reason, maybe it's that one time a week where you leave your phone in the other room. And, or you, 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 you make sure the TV's off, you're, you're somewheres in solitude where all the distractions are gone, whatever it is that you're going to give up, that you've given that up, and it's just a focused time with God. And I also want to say, if you do that, maybe you'll spend that hour and you'll, let, you'll feel like, oh, I didn't really get anything out of it. That's okay. Journal about that. Write that down. Be honest with God. God, I feel like I didn't get anything out of this hour that I spent with you. But next week, on Tuesday afternoon, I'm going to do it again. And then do it again. And, and, and not with like, oh, I have to get this thing out of it, but just out of like, God, you said it, so there must be something to it, so I'm just going to trust you, and I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to practice it. Okay, so the next one, maybe, maybe you're like, okay, I'll do one day, two meals. This is what I was convicted with this week. And by the way, I was really careful with sharing this, because Jesus kind of rails on people for talking, like bragging about fasting. I was like, I'm in an awkward position here as a pastor. I gotta, I'm trying to be vulnerable and honest and talk about my fasting journey, and, uh, but I'm also trying to say, Lord, I'm not, this isn't so I look spiritual. That's why I'm trying to be honest with you about the journey so that you see my, my weaknesses in it. I'm not sharing this with you so that you're like, oh, Nathan fasts. He must be like super spiritual, okay? It's more just like I want us to be a journey that we, we do together. So uh, this, this year, I was, or last year, was convicted 
And as I did some study on fasting, I, I saw this as one of the options that uh, you could eat like on a Tuesday at supper, and then you fast until Wednesday at supper, which is almost 24 hours. You're skipping two meals. It's challenging, uh, but it's a little bit more time where you're focused on, on the Lord and on fasting and, and hearing from Him, and it's something you can do once a week. Uh, I, I learned that John Wesley, so he's a pretty influential guy in the, in the Christian church, he actually, he wouldn't ordain somebody to ministry unless they fasted twice a week like this. You know that? I was saying to my friend who's also a Wesleyan pastor, I was like, you know, like, probably like, I don't know, three quarters of us would have, we'd be gone from the Wesleyan church as pastors, okay? <laughs> like, according to the John Wesley rule that he did, because he, he just saw it as like, if you're going to pastor people, if you're going to lead spiritually, this, this is going to be a regular part of your life. That's what Jesus did, right? So that was kind of a, a convicting thought. Um, but yeah, one day, two meals, that's 24 hours. Maybe you're at the point where you could do three meals. So that's a one-day thing. It's a 36-hour fast. You know, you, you have supper one day, and then you, you fast the whole day, not supper the next, and you have breakfast uh, on the next day. I was just talking to Dr. McNally, we were talking about fasting the other day, and he was saying, you know, breakfast, that's break fast, right? That's, that's where that word comes from. So you, if you do the 36-hour, then you go to bed thinking, I get to break my fast. And all of a sudden, Raisin Bran sounds so good when you've gone the whole day, okay? Um, fast twice a week, maybe you're there. And this week, may, maybe, maybe the Lord, maybe for you, it's a, a starter is um, Lent. So Lent is coming up. Do you know Lent this year starts on Valentine's Day? What a perfect day to start. Like, it's a relationship with God, right? Like, God, be my Valentine. I'm going to fast for the 40 days, okay? So here's some options. I just wanted to put them out there and ask you to prayerfully consider that. Uh, and, and, and by the way, when I mentioned about, you know, maybe you fit into a category where giving up a meal is just not a possibility. Uh, and for Lent, you want to give up, maybe it's social media, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's talking. No, I'm just joking. Do that. Uh, there might be something, okay? So there's other ways of something that you can totally give up so that you can focus on time with God. And, and maybe the Lent thing, I put that there at the last, maybe the whole one meal a week is something that you're like, I'm just going to try that for Lent. So throughout the whole season of Lent, I'm going to do one meal a week um, over that four and a half week period, right? Uh, so whatever it is, I just want to encourage you together to put this into practice and not, not just because you were told or because it was suggested, like, because you, you take Jesus' word seriously where you're like, okay, Jesus, you, you said this and this was a, a regular part of your followers' interaction with you, so I'm just going to do it because I want to be obedient to you and I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to invite the team to come up. We're going to close with a, a couple songs. Uh, I'm going to pray before, before we do. And uh, my, uh, my heart in this is that all of us would just get to this point in our lives where we go, God, I'm just, whatever you reveal... I'm willing to take a step in that direction, right? So it's, so it's more our faith in Him, our walk with Him is more than just this intellectual assent to what He says, that it's this relationship where we go, God, like, yes, I believe in what you've done. You've, you've redeemed me. You've saved me. You've, you've brought me into your family. But I'm actually going to do the things that you say because I trust you with what that's going to look like in my life. And, and that's my encouragement for us as a, as a community. So I'm going to pray and then we'll... We'll close with these couple songs. And if the Lord is, is prompting you, uh, I just want to encourage you to take, take that step. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you speak to us in your word. Lord, in a room like this, with as many of us that are here, we're all looking at this from different 
perspectives and maybe coming at it from different levels. Maybe there's uh, some people in this room that you've just been challenging them to take a step of faith in this area just to spend time with you in a more intentional way. Maybe there's some people that are seeking clarity about a decision. Maybe there's some people that have been longing for your presence in a more tangible way. And I pray, Lord, that if you're speaking to us, that you'd give us the boldness and the faith to take that step and to put your words into practice. And Lord, maybe there's some people in this room that, that sin is a constant everyday battle, a specific sin, a specific struggle with, with an addiction or a habit or with language or whatever it is. And, and Lord, I just pray that if you are speaking to anybody in this room and, and bringing conviction to them, that they wouldn't hear words of condemnation, rather that we would hear your invitation into the Jesus life that we would hear your invitation into this journey of spiritual formation, that, Lord, your desire is to bring change and transformation and formation into our lives as we say yes to the things you've asked us to do and that you've invited us into. So, Lord, I just pray for boldness, uh, for wherever we're coming at this from, that we would take a step in the direction of saying yes to you, and that, Lord, we would experience your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your peace, and that we'd be a community that actually encounters you on a regular basis, Lord. We love you. We honor you, we glorify you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to invite you guys to uh, stand with me again as we close with a couple songs. And as we sing this next one, let's just, uh, let's just retune, recenter our, our gaze on him, and uh, let's sing this together.